Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday, September 17th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you in your community, but right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is going to feature one simple fix for the Dolphins' Offense in week two of the NFL season versus what they put on display in week one. And we have a crossover episode with our dear friend Joe Marino of Locked On Bills to talk about the dynamics of this Buffalo team, this Dolphins team, how they're going to mesh and match together. Lots to look forward to. So let's start with one simple fix. For the Miami Dolphins offense in week two, what is it? Well, thanks to some of the folks over at ESPN, we now have an opportunity to review some pre-snap tendencies of NFL offenses. Seth Walder of ESPN released the data, courtesy of their video trackers, for which NFL offenses used the most pre-snap motion and which NFL offenses used the most motion at the snap, so jet motion, orbit, that kind of stuff. And the Miami Dolphins ranked 22nd in the NFL in pre-snap motion, and motion at the snap, they ranked 29th in the NFL, with a whopping 1.8% of their offensive snaps featuring motion at the snap of the football. Why does that matter? Well, think about how much the Dolphins struggled to fit up gaps in week one against the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots used pre-snap motion on 50% of their plays, and they used motion at the snap on 27% of their plays, one in every four, versus effectively one play in the entire game for the Dolphins. Pre-snap motion, guys lined up out wide, quarterback lifts his leg up, Guy trots across the set, resettles back down, gets set, boom, ball is snapped. That's helpful for indicating what coverage you are facing. Not necessarily too much of a problem for the Patriots. You know they're going to run a ton of cover one or a ton of cover zero in pressure situations. They're going to play man coverage. So if you run motion, guy's probably going to go with him. Not too hard. So I'm not going to read too much in the fact that the pre-snap motion wasn't super high. But the motion at the snap, quarterback's under center, hits his cadence, lifts his foot, wide receiver in the slot turns, sprints across the set as soon as he crosses the quarterback's face or just before he crosses the quarterback's face, the ball is snapped. That guy is already moving at full speed. 
wants to carry himself out into the flat, you want to rub routes off of that, you can. That's where I think the Dolphins need to be honest with themselves here. Maybe this has to do with the offensive install and the youth of the team and not having so much of the playbook at their disposal in week one. But if you're an offense who cannot separate against the opposition because they're strictly better than you, you cannot continue to have everybody be static at the line of scrimmage at the snap of the football. You have got to create conflict and try and rub defenders off. Or in this case, you've got Jakeem Grant, who's fast as hell, jet motion him at the snap so he is moving at his 4-3 speed as the ball is released and then try and push vertical routes up and try and run them in the flat underneath of it and then you put those defenders in conflict either if you're going to play if you're going to continue to play cover 1 or man coverage okay good luck trying to run stride for stride with Jakeem Grant all the way across the set we're going to end the ball out quick because these corners on the outside on our vertical routes are going to turn and carry and if you want to flip it up and play zone we're going to freeze this outside defender he's going to be in conflict we're going to high low him I think that's an easy fix for the Dolphins is get this team ready to, if defenses are going to stay sticky on you, use motion at the snap of the football because we saw what it did to the Dolphins and their gap discipline. It tore them to shreds. Seems like an easy fix. So one easy way for the Miami Dolphins to fix some, some of their offensive issues in week one that would be where I start. It doesn't matter whether you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints. In an easy and convenient to use roller or shareable squeeze tube, CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like vitamin C B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD. Dot com promo code locked on NFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD MD. As promised, locked on crossover, locked on bills, locked on dolphins, my esteemed colleague, co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast, Joe Marino, set to join us now to talk about the dynamics of Buffalo versus Miami. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined now by Kyle Krabs, the host of Locked On Dolphins. And Kyle, let me just tell you, it's a pleasure to finally get a chance to uh, to do a podcast with you. Yeah, we definitely don't do this at all. So this uh, should be good to talk about uh, our teams, which we definitely don't do on any of our other podcasts right. so- either. So, yeah, considering I don't know any of your opinions about the Miami Dolphins, I'm anxious to find out some things 
from you here today. The first thing I want to ask you about, Kyle, is this offense. And they switched over from Chad O'Shea to Chan Gailey, obviously a coach that Bills fans are well familiar with. What did you learn about this offense in week one against the Patriots? And uh, was it different than some of your expectations entering the year? Yeah, we learned it stinks without Devontae Parker on the field uh, for starters. Uh, Listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's something I keep telling Dolphins fans. And the Dolphins undertook this very ambitious rebuild effort in January of 2019. And uh, they went through the evaluation year in 2019 season. They had some momentum at the end of the year. They come into the 2020 offseason and they invest heavily in the defense with some veteran players the secondary and the trenches on both sides of the football. So like the skill players room aside of the running backs was largely untouched by the dolphins throughout the course of the off season. And you go out in week one against the Patriots and you're trying to play this kind of quick game space, the field against the number one cornerback room and man coverage in all of football. And when Devonte Parker goes down, Nobody can separate against anybody. Mike Gusecki's blanketed by safeties. Preston Williams can't get off his routes, and he, quite frankly, looked rusty uh, coming off the knee injury. And the Dolphins didn't have Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry, the two new additions they actually made to the wide receiver room, active to play in this football game. So Isaiah Ford's pressed into 45-plus snaps in the game, and he can't separate against anybody. So it's really hard to get a gauge on the specifics of – the offense, uh, also in part because it's, what, Wednesday when we're recording this and NFL Game Pass hasn't dropped the All-22 yet. So <laughs> right. I'm still hoping to, to watch and see some of these route combinations from the All-22 perspective. But from everything that I saw during the game and, and watching the, the quick condensed re- replay of the game, the, the Dolphins are going to struggle unless they find more opportunities to create explosive plays by either creating more separation Chan getting more mesh concepts involved to kind of rub defenders off of receivers and manufacture that separation, or you start breaking more tackles after the catch. You mentioned the Patriots played a lot of man coverage against Miami, and we know traditionally the Bills run a lot of zone defense, a lot of cover three. Is that perky up a little bit, thinking about not having to win in man coverage and, and it be more about finding space and, and it attacking space against a zone heavy defense? I think so. I think that will definitely help. And Fitzpatrick's uh, experience in this offense, you know, with him being so snappy and the savvy in the pre-snap, I think it will help him kind of understand where the soft spaces are a little bit more so he can throw two spots where it gets a little risky is because Fitz has plenty of experience playing in this offense. The receivers do not. They've played one game. Nobody has played in Shane Gailey's offense that is on the Dolphins roster before this year. So that lack of timing, you know, can you make sure that you're going to get your head around in time? You're working to the proper landmark based on where the zone drops are. Those are the kinds of things that Miami just needs to have a lot of due diligence with against a very zone-heavy team. Because if you tip your hand or you get sloppy or you widen too far and he's going to, Fitz has to throw to a spot because of pressure, that's where Buffalo can kind of take advantage if those communications are not in sync. Kyle, I want to talk about this offensive line here for a minute. Uh, four new starters in the group. Thank two goodness. rookies, left, left tackle, Austin Jackson, right guard, Solomon Kindly. I talked about this unit with the Bills Mafia yesterday on a podcast and said, 
look, these guys played pretty well against the Patriots. I think Fitz had 30 passing attempts. He was only sacked once. That sack was charged to Fitz for uh, holding on to the football for too long. And then they only gave up five total pressures and and kind of an impressive uh, performance. Maybe not a ton of movement in the run game, which you kind of expect for such a big offensive line. But what do you think about this unit and uh, what you saw from them in week one? Yeah, I was really impressed with the offensive line play as somebody who was a little skeptical about Austin Jackson's readiness to play at the NFL early on in his career. He definitely looks the part. He's not overwhelmed by his assignments. Uh, A lot of beef. The Dolphins across their front are averaging almost 330 pounds a player. They're they're very big. And uh, I, I think for the Dolphins, the lack of success in the ground I don't want to read too much into it because some of those shortcomings came where they had, it took them three yards to punch in a ball on the one yard line in a goal line situation or three tries to get across the goal line. So that really tanked the average of Jordan Howard specifically. And Matt Breida found room to run. It was 4.4 yards per carry for him. And Miles Gaskin found room to run. He also averaged 4.4 yards per carry. And for a team that, collectively was so bad running the football last year I was pretty encouraged I thought just kind of the script of the game Miami constantly chasing fits through an interception early on Preston Williams fell down on his route and then in a two-minute scenario he throws another back-breaking pick that takes points off the board the Patriots get the ball to start the second half and then they go down the field and score and all of a sudden it's 11-point game it's like okay well we got to get away from running the football a little bit so I think they, they tried to lean on it early on. They didn't have a ton of success. Uh, but overall, I thought the offensive line was probably the most redeeming performance of any component of the offense in week one against the Patriots in both the run and pass game. And, and that is such a breath of fresh air for Dolphins fans versus what we experienced last year. Now, Kyle, there were a ton of additions to this defense. By my count, seven new starters uh, were added to this group. And so could you maybe walk us through all three levels of the defense and talk about some of the new dynamics and what you learned about those players uh, from week one? I know like Shaq Lawson played, if I'm not mistaken, all but three defensive snaps yeah, like for this football the team. They played like three different safeties and some dynamics at corner. Raquan McMillan's not here. So maybe uh, give us an overview on this, uh, on this Dolphins defense. Yeah. So starting on the back end, Xavier Howard had a pitch count coming into the game. He started the, the training camp on PUP and then he was on the COVID list for two weeks. So he really lost a lot of ground in trying to rehab from off season knee surgery. So he played 27 snaps. Uh, Noah Igbenogany, the first round pick uh, played a bunch of snaps. He was inside and outside alike. And, and the Dolphins got a ton out of, rookie safety Brandon Jones uh, who ended up in effectively a starting role and um, the the Patriots came out and ran a lot of six offensive linemen looks they brought in you know who Michael Awenu is from your draft background and when you played like 20 something snaps as a tight end (laughs) so it's like the Dolphins saw this heavy formation and and the big nickel with Brandon Jones comes into the game and the Dolphins tried to go a little bit beefier up front where uh, Emmanuel Agba's uh, playing a whole bunch of snaps Devon Godchow Christian Wilkins Shaq Lawson as a base four-man front that's kind of what you're you're looking at and operating with but the challenge for Miami is okay when you want that third safety on the field who comes off 
And sometimes it was Kyle Van Noy. Sometimes it was Devon Godshall. Van Noy's another guy who it felt like they had on a little bit of a pitch count. He had a hand injury in training camp, and he ended up playing like 65% of the snaps for the Dolphins. But uh, Wilkins, Godshall, Ogba, Lawson up front, those are the, the primary names to know. Raquan Davis, the second-round pick, uh, is up to 330 pounds. He'll play some A-gap stuff, uh, but probably more of in a rotational role. Jerome Baker, Elan and Roberts, Kyle Van Noy, those are your primary linebackers. And I'll say this, you know, for 16 tackles, a sack and a forced fumble, Jerome Baker did not have a good football game, in my opinion. Uh, he got picked on in coverage. He was targeted three times. He gave up 50 yards in coverage. Uh, he got lost on an over route from Ryan Izzo, who's one of the least imposing tight ends to, to, to draw an assignment in man coverage against. Uh, so Jerome also had two penalties in this game. One of them was a big late hit out of bounds. Jerome's got to play a better football game against Buffalo in all phases, not just in pursuit, because you'll look at the tackles and you'll say, oh, he had a great game. But in reality, the complementary phases of Jerome Baker's game was a real disappointing development in week one. So let me just ask you this. I think there's a ton of things I would love to get into, but I don't have all day to ask you these questions. What, when you just kind of tie a ribbon on this discussion from a Dolphins perspective, you're thinking about this game against the Bills, what are some of those keys for you? What are some of those X factors that need to be true for the Dolphins uh, to have success on Sunday? Well, reports are that Devontae Parker is on track to play in the football game. Uh, so that's a good start for Miami uh, because the more attention Devontae can draw, the better. It makes all the complimentary players better because it allows them to not draw as much attention. So it's a double bonus for the Dolphins to get their best offensive skill player on the field, and then he makes everybody else better with the attention that he commands. So Parker playing would be a big win. Uh, I'd like to see continued efforts with Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, both of these running backs that the team brought in, uh, to get them more touches of the football. Uh, Howard started early on and then kind of disappeared until they got on the one yard line. Matt Breida, it took him a while to show up at all. Miles Gaskin was the guy who got the most run in week one. I'm interested to see if that's a hot hand scenario or if that was because the Dolphins were kind of chasing from behind and needed the back that they felt gave them the most all around skill set as a pass catcher, pass blocker, and as a runner. Uh, defensively, the Dolphins have to figure out the edge. I'm sure Buffalo is going to pay a lot of attention to the successes that the Patriots had running Cam Newton. And I know Josh Allen will run in different ways, uh, but the Dolphins, they need better discipline on the edge from Emmanuel Agba, from Shaq Lawson, uh, maybe get Kyle Van Noy more stood up on the outside and man on the line of scrimmage type reps. Make sure you try your best to force Josh to come up the middle if he's going to try and run on you and uh, task those big guys up the middle with, with staying sturdy and just play man coverage in the secondary. I think Buffalo will see a lot of man from this Dolphins secondary because that was the primary objective where they went out and spent all the money that they did to upgrade that group. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place where you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best coaches and players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. 
go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides you with access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, joined by Joe Marino of Locked On Bills. And Joe, I'm glad one of us could enjoy a victory Monday this past Monday. I wish it could have been me, but it was not. And you being my best friend in the world, really happy for you. So congratulations, first and foremost, on Victory Monday. And anytime the Jets lose, it's also a win for everybody else. Was that tongue-in-cheek, Kyle? Are you really? Is it because it's Gase and the Jets where you find some happiness? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you beat the Patriots, I'm going to be pissed. Like, be honest. <laughs> so had a chance to, to take in some of this Buffalo Jets game. And, and obviously, from a Dolphins perspective, preparing for Buffalo – Buffalo, the betting favorite, or I guess depending on where you look, the betting favorite, uh, to win the AFC East this year. This is a critical matchup for the Dolphins. Uh, So I want to look at some of the critical dynamics on both sides of the ball uh, for Buffalo coming into this Week 2 game. And I want to start with linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. I know he got banged up in the Week 1 performance and win against the Jets. So what is the status of Tremaine Edmonds, and what would his loss do to change how the Bills play defense against Miami? One of the challenging things about talking about injuries with this football team is that Sean McDermott doesn't give you anything. Uh, So far, it's just, well, we need to find more information. Doesn't look long-term. We'll consider him day-to-day. We've seen him say that about every injury that I've ever seen that wasn't significantly like a season-ending injury. So gaining any clues from what has been given to us from McDermott has been difficult. I think we'll get a better gauge as we see practice reports coming out and we see if he's a full participant or limited or if he's out. Um, And so we'll, we'll know more later in the week. Obviously he's a a key piece for this bills defense. And what I think um, really limits the defense if Tremaine's not available is how well they can disguise coverage. They love to put Tremaine Edmonds down on the line of scrimmage in the a gaps and then just peel him back because he has so much range, so much fluidity in his pedal. He can get lateral very quickly, and he has such tremendous length. And so you can put him at places that he's not going to be when the snap uh, actually happens and, and really confuse quarterbacks. And so I think you lose a huge element of disguise on top of, you know, the quarterback of your defense, a team captain, guy that gets everyone lined up, a guy with really special physical traits in the middle of the field that, you know, you think about this Dolphins offense and the and the horizontal spread and how they want to attack space. Well, Tremaine Edmonds is a bit of a neutralizer for that type of an attack, and not having him would be a major problem. You're you're probably looking at AJ Klein, uh, Tyrell Dotson stepping into the prominent role if he's not available. So, um, I'm sure Bills fans have their fingers crossed, hoping they can see. Tremaine Edmonds on Sunday, and that would be a a major benefit uh, for the Dolphins if he's unable to go. So I know you're a big special teams guy. Really? And uh, the the Dolphins Dolphins fans will say what they will about the defensive performance against the Patriots with 217 yards rushing allowed, a very well-crafted game plan from New England. But at the end of the day, Miami only gave up 21 points. So – the hope is there that, that perhaps this can become a bend, don't break style defense. And 
going against the Buffalo Bills, what's the situation with kicker Tyler Bass? Because <laughs> if you force, if you bend, don't break, and force field goals, Buffalo left a lot of points on the field in week one against the Jets. So, Joe, I'm not very well-versed in Tyler Bass other than he's a sixth-round pick in this year's draft. What was the vibe on Tyler throughout the course of training camp? And was his week one performance a surprise for Bills Mafia? Well, it was disappointing for sure. Um, the Bills had Stephen Hauschka as their kicker for the last three seasons, and he was really good in his first year. And then he made less than 80% his second two seasons, and you can see a real decline on the distance he can get on his kicks. And so they drafted Tyler Bass. They had a competition. He won the job. And it's very disappointing to see him go two for four on field goals and both of those misses coming inside of 40 yards. Now he did come back and make his second two field goals after missing his first two. And he made all uh, three of his extra points, but um, being able to finish drives with points is going to be an important factor. Now I'll, I'll go ahead and take this opportunity as an excuse to mention this statistic because the bills now, they haven't been a great scoring offense over the last three years, but they've been able to score against the Miami Dolphins, 3-0 and in the last three games. And in those last three games, they've scored 37, 31, and 42 points. So I think for the Bills, it's probably important to not rely on Tyler Bass to get all the scoring done and, and finish drives uh, with touchdowns. And we saw the Bills score three touchdowns against uh, the New York Jets, and they probably should have scored two more. But Josh Allen, I'm sure everyone saw the highlight of him airmailing John Brown. He also missed Dawson Knox uh, in the corner of the end zone. And that took a touchdown off the board. And I think that the Knox throw was just as bad as the John Brown throw, but we're, the only one we're seeing is the John Brown throw. So the Bills got to finish drives and um, not rely on this rookie kicker uh, because look, I know he's talented and the Bills believe in him, but at the end of the day, he was two for four and missed two inside of 40 to start his NFL career. Now I will say kicking in the NFL was down in week one. Uh, in week one, the uh, kicking percentage was 71.6%. It, it was the most combined missed field goals in any week since week 10 of 2011. So, I mean, it's, it, it was an unprecedented week for field goal kickers in week one uh, of, of the season. And I don't know, maybe kickers need preseason, maybe kickers need crowds. I don't know what, what goes into that, but uh, the Bills got to score touchdowns and not field goals. I'm going to pretend you didn't come on here and, site point scored against a team that quit on Adam Gates in week 17 and the two games against the Island of misfit toys that the dolphins fielded last year, but that's okay. Um, let's talk about the offense for the Buffalo bills. You mentioned Josh Allen, Josh Allen continues to exceed all of my expectations of him as a draft an analyst in the pre-draft process. And it's been impressive to see what the bills have done from both a personnel and schematic perspective to try to wean and develop him whilst playing. And I think there's some good lessons there for perhaps the Miami Dolphins to learn as they look to engage upon that own path with Tua Tungavaloa. I want to ask you about the offensive line uh, because we, we know the Bills, they went out, they got Stephon Diggs, and they had John Brown and Cole Beasley. So should be this really heavyweight matchup between the Dolphins secondary and the Bills receivers and should be a lot of fun. Hopefully NFL Game Pass gets us that uh, – <laughs> That, that tape sooner rather than later. But the offensive line, Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain, Mitch Morris, I know there was this big to-do about who was going to play right tackle, and it ends up being Daryl Williams with Cody Ford at right guard. Uh, the Dolphins went out and made efforts to attract heavy-handed defensive linemen to kind of better dictate the line of scrimmage. 
How do you think this matchup between these two sides uh, has the opportunity to play out on Sunday? Well, I, I think when you go left to right with the, the Bills offensive line, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the left guard, left tackle center, that's going to be the, the, the part of it that's the most sound. And, and I think Cody Ford at right guard and, and Daryl Williams at right tackle, they played okay against the Jets. But if, if the offensive line can be had, it's going to be right there. And obviously, Cody Ford, a big adjustment for him, kicking inside to guard as opposed to playing tackle. You, you saw that he's got the functional strength to do it, but you saw there were times against the Jets where that action unfolding quicker and the power getting on top of him quicker was something that challenged him. And so he'll have his, he'll have his hands full against Christian Wilkins, who um, was really good against the Patriots last week, and that was a really good interior offensive line. I mean, you talk about Joe Tooney. Uh, and, and David Andrews and, and uh, Shaq Mason. I mean, that's probably the best interior trio in the NFL. And so um, if he was able to produce against that, I'm sure that he'll be licking his chops to get his chances against Cody Ford at right guard in his second ever start at that spot. Uh, Daryl Williams, um, I thought he played okay. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's still kind of refining himself. He was really good in 2017. He's been injured a bunch since uh, the Panthers played him at left tackle, some at left guard. And so he's re refining himself at right tackle. And I think he's serviceable, but I don't think he's a plus player. And so if you're going to, if you're going to find success against this bills offensive line, you're going to have to attack that right side. And I'm sure that um, Brian Flores and, and Josh Boyer will find opportunities to get their best players coming against uh, you know, the right guard and right tackle for the bills. So uh, the, that that's that's kind of the concern right now. I don't know that it's a glaring concern where it's it's something that is a, a, a major deficiency where you feel like it's it's going to you know hold you back considerably. But if you're going to beat the Bills' offensive line, it's probably going to be on the right side. My last question for you, Joe, is more about how the Dolphins have chose to approach their rebuild in general. Uh, we, you and I have have had some personal conversations about the dynamics of beating teams within your division and designing your teams with your division in mind. And I know you have some thoughts about how Miami's roster construction and approach plays to that mentality. So I was curious if you could just lay it out as somebody who's not a Dolphins analyst or, or writer or covers the Dolphins, but you know football and you know this division and you know the players that the Dolphins have brought into play. Can you, as a not Dolphins resource, provide your perspective on that specific approach for Miami? Yeah, I think we've learned a lot about how NFL teams are built in our, you know, we've been working together for a long time. And um, we've talked to a lot of people in the league about team building. And it always kind of comes back to building a team that is designed to beat the teams in your division. And the more I've watched this unfold in Miami, the more I think, wow, that feels like they had the bills in mind a little bit with that move. And I'll be honest with you, offensively, the dolphins are a couple of dynamic skill players away from, from really making me nervous, to be honest with you, because if the bills struggle a bit on defense, it's been with tackling and the fact that they are more of a zone defense. And so whenever you can really go after them with, receivers that are able to take advantage of that weakness at CB2 where it's been Levi Wallace. They're trying Josh Norman, but he's hurt. It's kind of been a revolving door opposite of Tredavious White that you can kind of go after that player. And the Bills on defense, 
I don't know that they they're not a team that's going to give up a ton of points vertically. They're not going to get big explosive plays down the field, but if you can challenge some soft spots in zone coverage, if you can get dynamic athletes to football in space that know how to create, you can probably cause some problems for this bill's defense that has historically been very sound under Sean McDermott. Now you look at the defensive side of the football and you see the investments that they've made at cornerback having Byron Jones, having Xavier Howard, having Noah Igbenogany, all of those guys are really good, outstanding man coverage corners. And while the Bills have this really dynamic trio of route runners that know how to get open and Diggs, Brown, and Beasley, guys that are separation specialists, if you will, you know, if you're going to counter that, you need guys that can go toe-to-toe and play man coverage. And that's going to be a fun matchup to watch on Sunday, but it is the right makeup of a room to kind of neutralize whether the Bills have invested most heavily uh, on their offense. And so um, you really like what they're doing with safeties. They'll play three of them doing a lot of matchup specific things. So while you try to get Dawson Knox kind of flexed out, get the running backs involved in the passing game a little bit more, they've kind of got some neutralizers. And then I, I really like what they did in terms of moving away from a player like Raekwon McMillan, who is kind of a limited downhill guy and going more with uh, Kruger Hill and obviously Jerome Baker guys that have more range and can get sideline to sideline. And so I think that's a really nice, wrinkle and evolution to their unit and so in a lot of ways I look at what the Miami Dolphins have done from a personnel perspective and I can see some of the chess moves there to to kind of combat how the Bills have built their roster but then also the the head coaching decision to bring in Brian Flores while the rest of the NFL is out there looking for hot shot offensive guys the Zach Taylors the Sean McVay's the Matt LaFleur's the Cliff Kingsbury's right the list goes on and on and on the Bills and Dolphins are rolling with defensive minded coaches and Brian Flores and Sean McDermott guys that want to be uh, CEOs, right? Uh, trust assistants to do their job, trust coordinators to do their job, but really focus in on holding guys accountable, changing culture, and still being aggressive-minded defensive coaches. I, I mean, you can see a lot of similarities in their philosophies about t- team building and um, and how they attack game days because of their aggressiveness, being defensive-minded, and what's important to them in players. And so I think there's a lot of parallels. here. It happened a little bit differently in terms of, of exactly how things went in terms of building up the talent uh, kind of coming out of a, of a dark time in, in the history of the franchises. But I, I can really appreciate from the coaching decision to how the roster is being built and the philosophies behind it in terms of what's doing here, what's going on here and, and how it's being designed to make the AFC East competitive post Tom Brady. There you have it. This is going to be a fascinating matchup. Uh, I had mentioned to Dolphins fans after week one, week two against the Bills will be a much better barometer of just how improved this team is versus flying blind going into a game against Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So Buffalo took the season series. Joe was gracious enough to remind us that the Bills have taken the last three matchups in this head-to-head contest between AFC East rivals. We will see what happens on Sunday, but thank you for tuning into the special crossover between Locked on Bills and Locked on Dolphins, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening.